Hi, friends. Welcome to Tony Talks Therapy. I'm your host, Tony Oswegan, a licensed mental health counselor and somatic therapist based in Seattle, Washington. Today's going to be a solo episode. We're talking about seasonal depression, seasonal affective disorder. We are definitely getting into the darkness, as I call it. It's getting brighter later and later in the mornings, and it's getting dark, gosh, at like 4 p.m. I don't know where you all live, but here in Seattle, <laughs> right now it's like 4 p.m. Is, is darkness outside. And so seasonal depression, seasonal affective disorder is something that a lot of us struggle with. And regardless of whether, you know, that's a diagnosis that fits your experience, I think a lot of us can resonate with the fact that the winter can just be sometimes a more difficult time. And so I'll talk today about what seasonal depression is, what symptoms you might notice that are consistent with seasonal depression. We're going to talk a little bit about causes of seasonal depression and some things that might be helpful when it comes to seasonal depression. And also, I'll talk briefly about the difference between seasonal depression and what's called what I've had some people on my Instagram call quote unquote regular depression. I posted, I think last week or the week before, a question sticker on my Instagram stories, which I often do in creating these podcast episodes. Um, I posted a question sticker asking, what do y'all want to know about seasonal depression? And so a lot of what I'm going to share in this episode is in answer to your questions. And one of the questions that really stuck with me was, how do I tell the difference between seasonal depression and regular depression? And that was that person's words, not mine, but I think it's a useful, useful question to ask. And so I'll speak a bit to that too. All right, so let's dig in. What is seasonal depression? There's a piece of this that's obvious. It's depression that happens seasonally. Typically, seasonal depression, or more officially, this is called seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, S-A-D. That's the official sort of diagnosis for seasonal depression, which does fall under the category of major depression. If we look in the DSM, which is our, our book for diagnosing and diagnosis codes, seasonal depression is sort of subsumed under depression. So to a little bit to that question now of what's the difference between seasonal depression and depression, depression, there kind of isn't one, you know, diagnostically they're slightly different, um, but very, very similar. So typically the onset of, I'm going to call it seasonal depression rather than seasonal affective disorder throughout this podcast, because I think even if we don't qualify for the disorder, a lot of us struggle with seasonal depression. It's a little bit more of a colloquial term. Anyway, typically that onset is in early fall with symptoms worsening throughout the winter and usually lightening up in the spring and summer. Typically this pattern of symptomology follows how much sunlight we're getting. For some, and I did a little bit of research on this, it's less commonly, but for some people the pattern is the opposite, where the spring and summer months are more seasonally, uh, gosh, what am I looking more seasonally depressed? That's not the language I'm looking for. Um, the spring and summer months are the ones where depression might come on seasonally versus fall and winter, but most commonly it's fall and winter, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's fall and winter that um, bring on seasonal depression. 
And it does tend to be more common in people who have pre-existing mental health conditions or mental illnesses. And I think I alluded to this a minute ago, it is more common in people who live farther away from the equator. So if we think about, and this is just maybe a little bit of a science reminder, hopefully I'm remembering things from my um, high school earth science class, um, that near the equator, the sun's route or arc through the sky in the fall and winter is generally more similar to what it is in the summer. Whereas farther from the equator, like here in Seattle, that arc is drastically different than it is in the summertime. So that's where we get, you know, it's not bright till 8.30 in the morning and it gets dark at 4. Whereas in the summer, you know, it's bright at 6 o'clock in the morning and it's light till 10. Um, so it is more common in people who already have a mental health condition or live farther from the equator. And the symptoms of seasonal depression mirror major depression, major depressive disorder, almost exactly. Depressed mood, low energy, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep or sleeping too much, changes in appetite, feeling irritable or sluggish, difficulty concentrating, hopelessness, feeling unworthy or excessively guilty, and having thoughts of death or suicide. There are also a ton of other sort of symptoms that you might resonate, but this is the general sort of list for both seasonal depression and what's called major depression, or what that question asker on Instagram said of quote unquote regular depression. <laughs> Another thing that I found was interesting as I was just sort of reading about seasonal depression is that for those people who have bipolar disorder, often they're more likely to have depression in the fall and winter and mania or hypomania more likely in the spring or summer. Which I just thought was a interesting sort of addition to this that you might, you know, let's say you have no mental health condition other than seasonal depression, you might experience depressive episodes more often or all throughout the winter. Let's say you already have something like depression or anxiety, you're far more likely to have instances of depression in the fall or winter if you also have seasonal depression or seasonal affective disorder. If you have bipolar disorder, you might be more likely to have more depressive episodes in the winter and less manic episodes in the winter and vice versa for the summertime. So in looking through the causes of seasonal depression, it's generally something that we don't fully understand. There's some guesses and some studies that get at general causes, but it's still something that we're learning about. And the, the factors that have been found to impact whether or not you experience seasonal depression is that in the fall and winter, we do have reduced sunlight and the time change falling back, right, which upsets our internal clock. And really the time change is a little bit less um, of an issue than that issue of reduced sunlight, which really upset, upsets what's called our circadian rhythm, which is that sort of sleep-wake cycle that our body naturally goes through day to day. And when we have reduced sunlight, that sleep-wake cycle is impacted, which impacts our sleep pretty significantly. Might be more difficult to fall asleep. You might be sleepier earlier and waking up earlier than usual. You might be sleeping way more than usual. 
And when our sleep is impacted, and one of these days I'm going to have to do a whole podcast episode on sleep, but that impacts almost everything else in our lives. Sleep is, other than like eating and drinking water, the most important biological function we have. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a doctor, but this is just as a mental health professional. When sleep is disrupted, everything is disrupted. And so that reduced sunlight can have a really massive effect. With less sunlight, there's also a drop in our body's production of serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter that you probably know already that impacts depression, it impacts our mood. The darker weather can also trigger in our bodies an overproduction of melatonin, which is that sweet little over-the-counter sleep aid, but also naturally produced body chemical hormone, I think, that creates sleepiness and fatigue. And so in our typical sleep-wake cycle, you know, melatonin starts getting created, you know, later in the evening to get us sleepy. Then we go to sleep. Melatonin continues to be produced throughout the night. And then in the morning, that drops off and we wake up and we go throughout our day. But when it's darker more often, our bodies produce more melatonin. So we get more sleepiness, more fatigue, more of those, those sorts of experiences. Another cause is that we get less vitamin D when we have less sunlight. And there are some studies that show that many people who have depression are vitamin D deficient. And so if you do experience depression, it might be worthwhile to go to your doctor, regardless of whether you experience seasonal depression, it might be worthwhile to go to your doctor and get a blood test and see if you have a vitamin D deficiency. But... Vitamin D is something that we also get from exposure to sunlight. And so, again, when we're exposed to less sunlight, we have less vitamin D available, which impacts our mood negatively. I hope that all makes sense. Lots of biological causes here. And that's sort of what, as I was researching and um, preparing for this podcast, really those are the causes that are primarily listed. And they're all, like I said, they're all biological. They're all pretty physical. I'm going to add my little opinion piece here, and you can take this or leave this. This is just from being a therapist for, you know, what is it, seven years now and having my own experiences with depression and seasonal depression. I think there are some other factors. This is all anecdotal, so if it doesn't resonate, just leave it. But one is we tend to be less active in the fall and winter months. We're not doing as much movement. We're not spending as much time with people. We're definitely not spending as much time outside. And we know that activity and nature are highly, highly regulating to our nervous system and have a strong correlation with improved mood. And so I think that tendency to like hibernate kind of in the fall and winter, both to be inside and maybe to be a little bit less social, I think both of those are also potential cause, causal factors for seasonal depression. Another one that I'll add is that, you know, especially here in the U.S., fall and winter is when a whole bunch of holidays fall. We got Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, Valentine's Day, New Year's, right? These are holidays that can bring up a lot of family stress, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of grief for some of us. The holidays 
can be wonderful, but they can also be super, super fucking hard. So I think the holidays coming up and the stress, and then I got to spend time with my family, and then I got to do all this, and the, you know, all of that I think can also contribute to seasonal depression. And then also, you know, I I know I've talked to a lot of people who love Christmas and sort of fall into a depression after Christmas. They're like, well, the thing I was looking forward to all year is over now. So, well, damn. And then January is a really depressed month, right? So I think that can be a factor as well. And again, if that doesn't resonate with you, you can just leave that, maybe stick with the biological stuff. But I do think that those social, emotional, behavioral pieces are worth taking a look at. All right. So now I'm going to get to how do we tell the difference between seasonal depression, seasonal affective disorder, and regular depression, major depressive disorder. And again, sort of going back to when I was listing the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder, they're basically, they are actually the same as depression. And so it's just a difference in when does it onset, when does it alleviate, right? And so I don't really know that being able to tell the difference really matters, especially because the same things generally help with both. You know, seasonal affective disorder might have a more biological cause, we think, like a more nameable, point-outable, like you're experiencing less sunlight, that's going to make you more sad, right? It has something we can point to a little bit more clearly than with major depression but they share the same symptoms. And so really similar things are gonna be helpful. So I think if you're starting to get depressed in November, December, and you're like, ooh, is this seasonal depression or is this my, my regular depression, you know, depressive episode coming in? I don't know that we need to make a distinction. You know, with seasonal depression, if, if you identify it as seasonal depression, you might say, okay, I'm gonna lean a little bit more towards taking a vitamin D supplement or using a sun lamp or whatever. But maybe other than that, the things that help are the same things. So again, I don't know that the distinction matters so much. So I hope that makes sense of what seasonal depression is, what causes it. We're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to talk about the various things that might help alleviate seasonal depression. All right, all right, welcome back. So we're gonna get to the things that help with seasonal depression or the things that tend to usually for many people help with seasonal depression. The first, and a lot of people asked about this when I shared about seasonal depression in my Instagram stories, the first is light therapy. This is also called phototherapy. And this is essentially using something called a light box that basically mimics outdoor light. It mimics UV light, UV rays. It's not the same thing as a tanning bed. I have done research. Tanning salons are not the same thing as using a sun lamp. But basically, the sun lamp or light box mimics outdoor light, which tends to boost serotonin production in the body. 
It can be, I should name, can be risky for people who are prone to mania or who have sensitive skin. These things are really fucking bright. <laughs> I have one and I use it pretty regularly and it's it's like so bright. Um, so, you know, just something to be aware of if this is something that you're going to consider using. It's typically most effective if you use it in the morning. And this makes sense if we think about our sleep-wake cycle that you know, we want light to be diminishing in the evenings as we're going to sleep. And then as we start to wake up in the morning, we want to be exposed to sunlight essentially as soon after waking up as possible. Just to sort of tell our bodies like, hey, it's morning now, do your morning stuff. And it'll start creating awake hormones and, you know, all the things bodies do in the mornings to make us know that it's day. Right. And so these can be helpful, I think, at any time of day, but they're going to be most helpful in the mornings. And typically, exposure to light at the same time every morning helps to reset and regulate our circadian rhythm, which stabilizes our sleep, therefore stabilizing mood. There's a really great episode, and I'm going to see if I can find it really quick while I'm still talking. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned on this podcast before, the 10% Happier podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts there is. Um the host of that podcast recently had a guest on, ooh, and I did find it, hooray. Um, it's episode number 268, How to Get Sleep in Anxious Times with Dr. Don Posner, and that's the 10% Happier, T-E-N spelled out, podcast. It's an awesome episode on sleep. I said earlier I should do a podcast episode on sleep, but really just go listen to that one. <laughs> it's super informative, but Dr. Posner talks a lot about how light in the morning really supports, you know, that's one of the best ways to regulate our sleep. That if we're struggling with sleep, insomnia, falling asleep, staying asleep, if you wake up at the same time every morning and are exposed to sunlight within a certain amount of time after waking up, that that's going to be the primary thing that resets your sleep cycle and gets you back to sleep sooner. So super recommend that episode. Uh, I'm going to jot that down so I can list it in the show notes. So that's the idea behind what a sun lamp or a light box does. And the typical recommendation is that you get a lamp with 10,000 10, lux, L-U-X. This is how they measure light, the brightness of light. And about two feet away from your face for about 20 to 30 minutes. So I'll tell you what I do. I just got out my, my sun lamp last week because um, I asked you all about seasonal depression and then I remembered like, oh yeah, I have that and it's November and I should probably get that thing out. Um, what I do is, you know, I do my morning routine and then I have breakfast and at my kitchen table, my sun lamp sits, it's going to sit there for the rest of the winter. And every morning at breakfast, I'll turn it on while I eat breakfast, I'm going to have this light in my face. And so that's the way that I do it. You might look at your morning routine and figure out something else that might work for you. But this is something that really can be helpful. And before I get people asking me, no, I don't have a recommendation for what type of sun lamp works, do your research. The internet's very helpful here. All right, other things that can help with seasonal depression. Medications can help. Antidepressants, especially SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That's what SSRI stands for. That's the primary class of antidepressants that most people get uh, prescribed. And basically what an SSRI does is that when your body produces serotonin, that serotonin jumps from one 
neuron to another over what's called the synaptic gap. And so there oftentimes is serotonin just sort of floating around in the synaptic gap as it's jumping between one neuron and the next. And whatever serotonin isn't absorbed by the next neuron is reabsorbed by the one that initially sent it out. And so what SSRIs do is they block those reuptake in, those uh, reuptake pathways so that original neuron that sent out the serotonin now can't reabsorb it. So serotonin stays floating in the synaptic gap and then is, you know, jumped into the next neuron when there's room. So SSRIs effectively increase the availability of serotonin in your system, which the theory is that that then will boost your mood. So antidepressants are a viable option if you experience seasonal depression, if you experience, you know, regular depression. Antidepressants can be an effective tool something that you could go talk with your doctor about, describe what you're experiencing, they can let you know what might make sense for you. Similarly, vitamin D supplements can be really helpful. I mentioned this earlier. Um, and this is, again, something I encourage you to talk with your doctor about to see if there's any reasons why this wouldn't make sense for you, if there's a particular dosage that might make sense for you. So don't want to recommend, I'm not just like blanket recommending take vitamin D. Please go talk to your doctor. Make sure it makes sense for you. But vitamin D supplements can be helpful, especially in the wintertime. So this is something that I do for my own mental health. And this is because I have depression, right? Um, I take vitamin D year round. And then in the winter, if I think about it, on the years that I'm good about thinking about it, I'll increase the, the dosage a little bit. I'll, I'll get one with a little bit more potency. Um, so that's something that I have found helpful that there's good studies around vitamin D deficiency in depression, and especially in the winter, vitamin D deficiency worsening, um, and that vitamin D supplements can support depression symptoms. So if that's something that you're curious about, go talk to your doctor, talk to them about what options might make sense for you. Someone on my Instagram also asked a really great question about are there foods that help with seasonal depression? And I have a, a snarky answer and then a real answer. My starky answer is like foods that you like, foods that you enjoy, foods that make you happy are probably going to help, right? I think there's a lot to be said for comfort food, especially in the fall. So that's one answer. Another one is that there are foods that are rich in vitamin D. Uh, one of the ones in my research that I was doing is salmon is super rich in vitamin D. So if you eat more fish in winter, that might help. I don't I'm not a doctor or a scientist. I don't actually know if there's enough vitamin D in salmon. If you're eating it once or twice a week, like, I don't know the efficacy of the impact of that on your mood. But if you like salmon, I don't know, eat it. I also found, and this is something I didn't know before I prepared for this podcast, but I found it really interesting that um, foods that contain tryptophan can help boost mood. And it's because tryptophan synthesizes into serotonin in our bodies thought that was super interesting. I had never heard that before. So foods that contain tryptophan include egg yolks, cheese, pineapple, salmon, nuts, and turkey. I don't know. I think it's an interesting question. I think food, the idea of food as medicine is a little bit of a, a tricky concept um, that I want to sort of I don't know, caution against and, and really think about like food can have a massive impact on our health and our mood and also can lead to some problematic relationships with food. And so I want to be careful recommending like, eat this, not that, because there's no good rules here. 
You know, eat what you enjoy, eat what makes you feel good. That's enough. All right. Other things that tend to help with seasonal depression, talk therapy. I mean, it can't be the Tony Talks Therapy podcast without me telling you to go to therapy. <laughs> therapy does help. I know that the the causes of seasonal affective disorder are, as we were talking about earlier, mostly biological. But then we look at, you know, depression is depression. And so you might be experiencing similar things to something like a major depressive episode, which therapy is quite effective at treating. Same with seasonal depression. Therapy can be super effective. We can look at what are the things that you're doing that might support greater well-being? What's happening in your cognitive sphere? Are there some... Um, Automatic negative thoughts that are happening that might be feeding the depression. Is there some CBT work you might do there? All right. A few other things that help with seasonal depression. One is exercise. Body movement. It's naturally boosts serotonin levels, naturally boosts your mood. There's a ton of ways that you can get this in. And the last one I'll name is social connection. This is one of the most powerful ways that we can alleviate depression is to make and sustain and engage in meaningful connection with other human beings. And I know in quarantine and 2020 and the holidays are going to look different for all of us, this is going to be really hard. So I want to encourage you to be really mindful and intentional about how you're connecting with other people. Schedule the Zoom call. Make the phone call. Get on FaceTime. When you're on social media, use it to, to really engage with people rather than just to mindlessly scroll, right? There are ways that we can still have and maintain strong connections even through quarantine, even though we're not able to see most people in person right now. Social connection is a powerful medicine for depression. All right. So that's seasonal depression, y'all. Things that help. Light therapy, antidepressants, potentially vitamin D supplements, talk therapy, exercise, social connection. All things that are super valuable if you find yourself in this more depressed space in the fall and winter. So in the show notes, you will find a link to a depression toolkit that I created a while back. This has a couple of worksheets you can use to sort of notice what are your particular signs and symptoms of depression. Also, what um, in there is the what I call the depression spiral, that we sort of go down this funnel of depression sort of mild at the beginning, and then it gets worse and worse and worse slowly, and then all of a sudden we're in the bottom of the hole and feeling terrible and potentially suicidal and all of this stuff. So the depression toolkit has some reflection prompts and worksheets to help you notice what your particular pattern is with depression. It's an awesome resource. So the link for that is in the bio. And know that I will also be doing an episode on depression at some point in the future. So there's a lot more here. All right, and also knowing that the holidays are coming up, I want to name a couple of different things. First, wear a mask and take coronavirus seriously. 
This shit is for real. It is dangerous. We need to protect ourselves and protect each other. So no holidays are going to look really different this year, but it's important that we take COVID really seriously. Even though we're all very tired of quarantine, the better we do now, the sooner we can return to, I don't know, something like normal. I also want to encourage you to go and research the real history of Thanksgiving. I know that that if you're listening to this podcast as I release it, Thanksgiving's in a couple of days. Just go and uh, do some learning about that. What we were taught in schools here in the U.S. is not really, um, yeah, it's not at all the full picture. And eat some good food this week. I do hope that you all, you know, if you celebrate the holiday, (laughs) eat some tasty shit. And if you struggle with food or your relationship with food or your relationship with your body, go back and listen to, I think it's episode 11 with Edie Stark. She talks about health at every size and intuitive eating, some really wonderful ideas about healing your relationship with your body and with food. So that might be a helpful episode to go back and listen to as we go into the holiday season. Similarly, Go back and listen to last week's episode with Amanda White, where we talk about sobriety and relationships with alcohol. That's something that might come up more for some of you throughout this season. So that might be a good one to to go back and listen to at this point. All right. And next week, I've got another interview lined up, and then I'm going to do one more solo episode before what I'm going to call season one of the Tony Talks Therapy podcast is over. So we've got two more episodes this season before the end of the year. And then I've got some awesome episodes planned for early 2021, some interviews with amazing, amazing people, got a couple solo episodes planned, so I'm really excited to bring that to you. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate you and love hearing y'all's feedback on social media. Every once in a while, I get a DM of like, I listened to your podcast and it was super helpful. Um, Or, hey, can you do an episode on this? I really do like when y'all send me those messages. They're really helpful for me to know that this is something I want to continue doing. Um, And also to, to fine tune this to make it as helpful for you as I can. So I really do love to hear from you. Give me a follow on Instagram at Tony Talks Therapy. Let me know what you think. If you're listening to these episodes, put them in your story tag me in it. Let me know what's resonating with you. And if you get a chance, rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps get this information out to more and more people. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. Take care.